And I know that some of you are thinking, yeah, why are you talking? <laughs> when I realized that the day that I was going to get to teach happened to be Father's Day, I got really excited. Uh, I get to talk to the men. Now, this may come as a shock to some of you, to some of you but I have never been a father. <laughs> but I do have one. <laughs> Actually, I have two. And uh, I will never fully understand the blessing that is my that has been given to me by being born a daughter to Winfield Piker and being embraced as a daughter by Bo McPherson. My life is abundantly blessed because of these two men. So happy Father's Day. Neither one of them are here in this room, but uh, I'm grateful for them. So I, I, I also married a father. Well, I guess technically he wasn't a father yet when I married him, but he became a father. Uh, the, God, the Lord blessed us with four children, and I just want to praise the Lord for his mighty works Amen. and his unequaled greatness, because in spite of the selfish, entitled sinner I was, and honestly still am on a lot of days, my good, good father saved one of the great ones for me. And uh, I just want to say I am so grateful for Jared and the way that he leads his children and now his many grandchildren to Jesus by the way he loves. I have three sons who are fathers. And watching them father their children and love their wives is just an overwhelming joy. And I'm just telling you that to say thanks to these men and also to say thank you to my Father in Heaven for His goodness. So, to recap, I've never been a father. I have two. I married one. And I'm the mom of three. So, I feel very qualified to speak to fathers today. <laughs> and really, I just wanted to take a minute to say, fathers, be encouraged. The troubles that you face, the things that you're looking at, your heavenly Father knows all about it. He is with you. He's for you. And He is already victorious on your behalf and on behalf of your family. Whatever it is, the victory is won. Our Father has won the victory. Now, there's all kinds of circumstances, too many to try to name. And I know we have some in the room that would say, oh, this is the worst it's ever been. It's never been this bad. How can our kids ever possibly live, live a good life, live for the Lord? And then we have others in the room who would say, this ain't nothing. When I was a kid, it was way, way. <laughs> and all the things in between. But can I just tell you, it don't matter. Wherever you are today, Whatever your kids and you are facing, that is the hardest because that's where you are. And so I just want to say, whether your kids at home are having hard times, whether your grown kids are having hard times, I imagine that it can feel discouraging at times. And maybe you don't know how to help. Or maybe your help is not wanted. 
You might struggle with anger because you think, this is not the way I raised these kids. Or maybe you struggle with guilt because what you see them doing is what you have maybe experienced and done some yourself. Men, fathers, hear me. You are not a failure. You are not a failure. Ladies, amen. amen. I know you've made mistakes. Every single one of us have made mistakes. But you are here. And today is a new day. You are breathing. There is hope. You don't need to have all the answers to all the questions. It's not your responsibility to fix everything. The best thing you can do as a father, well, I'm just going to say the only way to truly be an extraordinary dad is to love. Love Jesus with everything you have. Abide in him. Get up close to him. Love your father. Love your wife. Your kids need to see you. Love your wife. Love your kid's mom, even if she doesn't live in the same house as you. Love her. Love your children. Don't, don't try and tell them all the things that they're doing wrong. Don't try and change their mind or think that you've got to get them to see things the right way. Just let them see you love Jesus. Let them see you surrender your whole life to him and walking with him. Let them see you love your wife and their mom. And even, even in really, really hard circumstances where it's hard to be in the same room, let them see you choose love. Let them see you Humble yourself. Not have to be acknowledged as right all the time. I know that the kingdom of this world says that that's weakness. The world says that you have to show that you're a man by being stubborn. By bowing up on people. I can't even do it. By not letting anybody get the better of you. This is what the world says. This is how you show what a man is. The world says that your strength is measured by your arrogance. <laughs> but this series, we're looking at things different. And we're taking things that the world says, and we're turning them over, and we're looking at what Jesus says. And I'm just going to tell you this is not the way of the upside-down kingdom. Love is the way. Love is the way. And I, I don't want you to misunderstand me, and, and maybe a better way to say it is, I need to be clearer with what I'm saying. I am not telling you to stop believing. I am not telling you to lay down your convictions or to... Or to um, walk away from things that you know are true. 
Love includes truth. You need to not only know the truth, but you need to walk in it. Don't take one step back from it. And don't, don't stop having fun. I'm not saying that either. I mean, keep on spitting, scratching, insulting each other, rolling around in the dirt, whatever it is you like to do. Keep on doing those things. But let love be your compass. Love is the way. Lead your children, lead your family with compassion. Love is the way. You're going to get tired of hearing that. <laughs> I want to read from this last part of James 3. And I just think this is a really great place to father from. Do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well. Live wisely. Live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you're wise, that's not wisdom either. <laughs> Twisting the truth to make yourselves sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish plotting. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at everyone's throats. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It's gentle, it's reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community, and I'm just gonna say family works right there too, that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other treating each other with dignity and honor. Our kiddos need wise fathers and mothers. Anybody agree with that? Yes. Finding their way in life today, it is complicated at best, and oftentimes it feels overwhelmingly hopeless. <laughs> they need dads who abide in Jesus, who find who they are, and what they're living for in their father. They need living examples of wholehearted surrender to the upside-down kingdom who embrace the way of love. Now, I've asked some friends to help me pass out something. I just have a little card for all the men, all the dads in the room. So, uh, guys, go for it. And as, uh, as they're passing it out, I'm going to read what it says. It's this the last couple of verses that we just read, but it's uh, a, a different translation. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. I uh, just wanted all you guys to have a little card for today. And uh, honestly, when uh, sometimes when ladies have something that they're wanting to remember, or maybe I know several of us, we've talked about writing scriptures, and we hang them on our bathroom mirror. 
because, to be honest, we spend quite a bit of time standing there. And so we have things there to remind us. So this card is really cool. You can fold it once and it'll probably fit in your wallet. But I was also thinking of places that you men might spend a lot of time in. And I think that it's the perfect size to hang right above the toilet paper holder um, in your bathroom. Really, I just want to encourage the dads. You are the picture of the Father's love to your children, to your wife. I appreciate you. I appreciate the way you love, the way you lead. And I just want to encourage you, don't stop. Don't give up. Love is the way. Now, all of that was just the director's cut. That's bonus material. <laughs> really, today, I wanted to talk a little bit about, continue talking about the upside-down kingdom. Um, Jesus spent a lot of time with his disciples, laying out his plan for his kingdom. And Vic started us off several weeks ago, uh, talking, introducing this upside-down kingdom. And we're continuing today, um, just going to examine uh, different things, parts of life, uh, looking at how maybe the kingdom of the world sees it, and then turning it around and saying, what does the upside down kingdom look like? Jesus, uh, he often said to his followers, you've heard it said this way, but I say, and so that, that's kind of what we're doing today. Um, this whole series is taking different uh, parts of our life, parts of the things that we do, and re-looking at them through the eyes of what would it look like to operate from the upside-down kingdom, the kingdom of love. And so we're just going to spend a few minutes today talking about friendship true friendship, how we love each other. So I'm going to start by reading from John chapter 15. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He's uh, kind of winding down his time on earth with them. And he says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. And there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I'm going to pray. Lord, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the relentless way you pursue me. The way that you love me. Thank you for that. And Holy Spirit, we just, uh, we need you to speak in this room today. I pray that you would Say what needs to be said. I pray that we would all hear your voice and respond to you. I thank you for that, Jesus. 
I just want to throw this out there. Uh, you may have even heard me say this before. Our response to Jesus' teaching, it's, it's a personal thing. What I mean by that is, I have to hear what he says, and I have to choose to obey. I'm the only one who can do that for Jennifer. <laughs> so, this is not an opportunity today to point out what someone else might be uh, seeing wrong. <laughs> so I'm just going to invite us all to put our elbows in park. You know? This isn't about uh, an opportunity to elbow somebody next to you. The blame game began in the garden. When God came and asked Eve what happened, who did she blame? The serpent. When God went to Adam and, and said, what happened here, who did he blame? Eve. <laughs> so we've been blaming each other and pointing fingers since, since creation began. But today, Holy Spirit is speaking. And he's speaking to me personally. And I know, I believe he is speaking to you personally because that is who he is. And that is what he does. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth, and he will do that today if we listen to him. So I'd like to read the, those verses from John 15 again from the message. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done, kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command, love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. This is the way. This is the way to love each other, the way I've loved you. Now, I often find that the places uh, that I teach from are the places that the Lord is working in me, and today is no exception to that. For the last couple of years, Jared and I have been on a journey of learning about ourselves, really getting below the surface of who we are, and, and figuring out why we do what we do. Why do we react the way we do? Why do we choose the things we choose? It has been an adventure, to say the least. <laughs> We've had many opportunities, opportunities to grow in our communi communication skills with each other. And I'm really being funny, but the truth is, it has been so good. We... Our Father has just overwhelmed us with His love and His care for our souls. And a uh, shameless plug, we will be starting a circle in the fall about soul care. Uh, we'll, you'll learn more about that. But we're really excited to share what has been happening in our lives. But the truth is, the thing that I am understanding more than ever before is how much my Father loves me. How much Jesus pursues me, chases after me, longs for me. Not, not 
the Jennifer that I could be or not the Jennifer that I may someday be, but he loves me right here in my brokenness, in my mess, in my poor attitude and bad decisions. He loves me. He calls me beloved. He calls me his own. I have spent 50 years trying to earn my place. Now, I know some of you are shocked. How can she be 50? But it's true. I have spent 50 years trying to find my place, trying to earn something from my father that he said, you already have my love. I see you. I know you. I made you just like you are. And I love you. I want you. And if, if, I, if I'm honest, to even begin to operate in the upside down kingdom, it starts right here with knowing that you are loved, knowing that you cannot earn his love and there is nothing that you need to do to show that you're worthy of it. You are loved. And I believe that there are I think most of you in this room believe that. But you need to experience that. You need to, to feel your father's arms around you and know that he has said that you are perfect. That you are his. He loves you. And so I am, that's, that has been what I have been learning is to really understand who I am, who Jesus says I am, that I am loved. And in all of all this learning and all the things that we're experiencing, I see more than ever the great need in my life for community, for true friendship. See, I often live as an island. I want to be self-sufficient. Listen, I'm happy to help you or anybody else figure your stuff out, but you just keep your nose out of my business. I have even believed for a long time that this isolation is a mark of strength. Hey, I've even uh, made it into spiritual piety. Kind of the Elijah complex, you know? Oh, God. Nobody knows how hard it is. I'm the only one who's following you. My enemies are, are winning. It's no good to even, Lord, just take me home. Oh, I have been an island. That's how I've lived my life. And I uh, honestly come from a long line of islands. I see that. This way of living is grounded in the kingdom of this world. It is so focused on me, on myself. But Jesus, in his kindness to me, he is showing me how backwards my thinking is. And just like our scripture for today, he is saying there is a better way. 
Jesus is laying out the invitation for me. He says, here is my kingdom. It's a kingdom of love. Love is the way. Here there's ease. There is freedom. There is joy unending. And life to the full. Abide in my Father and love each other. Follow my ways and you will be blessed. And we know what that means. We will be deeply satisfied. Walking the road together, loving each other the way I have loved you, it leads to joy overflowing. The enemy, his name is Satan. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. He speaks only lies. And he knows that if I stay focused on me, if I remain an island to myself, I keep taking care and looking after my needs and my self-righteousness. If he can keep me doing that, he keeps me isolated. And when I live like that, it is so much easier for me to believe the lies that he tells. When I don't have anybody uh, telling me, hey, that ain't right, Jennifer. Don't, don't, don't listen to that. It's so much easier for me just to take what he says, hear the things he whispers in my ear, and believe that that is the truth. But he's a liar, and he only tells lies. He knows that if he keeps me isolated, it's so much easier for me to keep my sin hidden in the dark because I'm by myself and, and nobody really knows what goes on in my head or, or what goes on uh, at night when I'm laying awake. But in John chapter 15, Jesus speaking to his disciples, these men that he has spent three years with, loving, teaching, showing them the right way to live, he's telling them, you have got to love each other. You need each other. Abiding in the Father, that is the real way to see each other and to love each other. You remember when he was asked, someone asked him, what is the greatest commandment? They were trying to trick him. And he answered, he actually gave them two. Anybody remember what he said? Yeah, love the Lord your God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, we've heard that a lot. All my life I've heard that. It wasn't very long ago that, that uh, Vic taught from there and, and the story that follows about loving our neighbor as ourselves and answering the question, who is my neighbor? We all want to be Sam, right? <laughs> but can I tell you that loving your friends as yourself, I think, works too. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Friendship in the upside-down kingdom. True friendship. See, when I say the kingdom of this world, what I mean is um, that's the way maybe we would see things just naturally. Maybe 
if we're not pursuing Jesus, then it's just the way our natural mind would see things. So we're going to look at the way friendship is kind of seen, maybe, in the world around us and, and, and places we go and live and work. And then we're going to turn it around and we're going to look at it like Jesus said. You've heard it said this way, but I'm saying we're going to take that same thing and we're going to turn it around and we're going to look at it and see what he would have to say about friendship. See if this sounds familiar. Julie and Jill, uh, names have been changed to protect the innocent or the guilty or really just me. You know, <laughs> Julie and Jill love to go shopping. It is a fun day to get out of town, go to Starbucks, go to Target and TJ Maxx, maybe the mall, hit all, the, all their favorite places, spend the day just hanging out, visiting, doing a little retail therapy, you know. Finish the day with Italian nachos, swapping stories about uh, people at work, and just laughing, having a good time. On the way home, Jill, she thinks about telling Julie how rough things have been between her and Jack. She kind of wants to, she kind of wants to talk about how afraid she feels, about how at night, she's not sleeping because she just feels like things are pretty hopeless and she doesn't know what to do. She kind of wants to talk about it and see what Julie thinks. Man, that's a lot. So in the end, she just ends up turning up the new George Ezra album and they just sing along. Or, or maybe, how about this? Bob and Larry, anybody know Bob and Larry? They've worked together for almost five years. See, Larry, he lost his job. It was tough. He was not having any luck finding something. He called his friend Bob. His, Bob, his friend said, yeah, you know, kind of went out on a limb for him, got him an interview. He got the job. And it's been so cool to work together, you know, to work with someone that you know and that you get along with. But Larry's feeling a little guilty about the change that's coming on Monday. He doesn't know how to tell Bob that he's got the big promotion. You see, uh, the project that he and Bob worked together on has been a big success. It's gone really good. And Larry, he didn't mean to take all the credit. I mean, he's pretty sure that he did tell the boss that they worked together on it. And it's not really his fault that Bob wasn't there the day they made the presentation because his, his kid was sick. Really, you know, Bob, he should just be happy for Larry, right? I mean, when you think about it, this promotion, it, it's good for both of them. Because now Larry, he can have a chance to look out for Bob. His day will come. I mean, that's, that's what friendship is, right? Supporting each other. I know these are like silly, silly made-up stories. But maybe you see yourself in various parts of those stories. Or maybe there have been times in your life you've, you've maybe played all those parts. 
But this is some of the ways that the kingdom of this world views friendship. You got your note sheet? We're going to take some notes this morning. I would say the first thing about maybe the way the kingdom of the world looks at friendship is it is about having someone to hang out with. Having someone to hang out with. Friends are the people that you hang with. You do hobbies with. You find ways to maybe forget about real life for a little while. You don't get too personal. I mean, sure, you complain about stuff, you know, but you, but you don't really get into the heart of why things are the way they are. You don't really uh, take the next step of talking about how you could change things. Instead, just, just turn up the music, sing along. Maybe uh, friendship, the way the world sees it, is based on having the same opinions. A lot of times in the world, they kind of, it seems like you are only friends with people that you have the same thoughts with. I want to hang out with people who are just like me. <laughs> I want to hang out with people who think the same way I do. I mean, we see it like even in school, right? The people who play football kind of all hang together. The people who maybe are, are in band or, or some other arts or maybe they're really smart in math, they kind of hang out together. I think that Facebook makes it feel like we can't be friends with someone if they don't vote the same way we do. Someone is different from me or looks different from me or thinks different from me, that disqualifies them from being friends with me. That might be the way that the world sees it. Uh, number three, friendship comes with perks. <laughs> Friends are people to help you get what you need. Hey, we need, doesn't, doesn't uh, Tom still work at the car dealership? We need to take them to dinner because uh, I need a truck. And so I want to, I want to, you know, I want to re renew that friendship with Tom so that when I go buy a truck, he'll, he'll help me get the best price. <laughs> or her, maybe they own a B&B &B and your family's coming in for the reunion and you're going to need some places to put some people. So... And can I just say, that's, it's not bad. Perks are good, right? Love is the way, right? But that is not what friendship is all about. It's not about getting what I need or just making me happy. And the fourth one, friendship is me-centered. And when you write that down, would you write a capital M and a capital E? Friendship is me-centered. The kingdom of the world version of friendship puts me first. And if it comes to you getting yours or me getting mine, it only makes sense for me to take care of my family, myself, my stuff. You know, this is a way that Satan keeps us focused in on ourselves. And it's a terrible cycle that feeds on itself. The more I think about me, the more I, anxious I feel, the more I feel like things are, are wrong, 
which makes me more consumed with myself. And before long, I'm just this ball of anxiety and I only see friends as letting me down and not doing what I need. This is the way that the kingdom of the world views friendship. But Jesus and others in the New Testament, they show us a different way. He says, love each other the way he loves us. Put our lives on the line for each other. And when we do this, when we put others first, our joy will be overflowing. Now, all these things we've just talked about, I want to tell you that most of them aren't bad. It's good to have people to hang out with, to do stuff with. It's good to have common interests and even common shared opinions. It's good to have perks. But the kingdom, the upside down kingdom, says there's more to friendship than this. Jesus invites us into community. This journey with Jesus, it's not a solo event. It's not something we do once a week, a service that we attend when we're in town. It is meant for community. It's meant for friends, true friends. God invites us in to his trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, his community. He invites us in. And he invites us in to be, to know community with each other. And so that's why it's gonna look different in the upside down kingdom. And you might be asking, why does this even matter? Why are you talking about friends? I am not in junior high. <laughs> but Jesus said that the world will know us and there they will know him by the way we love each other. This is what we were made for. This is what our hearts long for. Now, I'm sure many of us have had glimpses of what uh, real heart connection, true friendship looks like. Like maybe a friend calls you out of the blue and you just happen to be having a sorry day. And they said, you know, you just came to my mind and I just felt like I needed to call you. That's, that's true friendship, isn't it? Or maybe when you take your weekend getaway stash or whatever stash you have, I have a, a shoe stash. Some of you might have a boat stash, I don't know. But maybe you get into your weekend getaway stash, the money you've been saving up to go do something fun, and you take it to the girl at work whose husband just left her, she don't know what she's gonna do, and you just hand her your stash. You say, look, you need this more than I do right now. That's, that's true friendship. And this is what we're talking about. We become aware of others, the Father's love for us all, and his desire for us to work together, to love the world together, to share life to the full. Jesus is our good shepherd. And part of the reason he came is to give us life to the full. We read the key, love each other the way I have loved you.
We have just a few minutes left, and I just want to talk about what friendship in the upside-down kingdom looks like and what it means to live in community. What does it mean to love somebody like Jesus loves us, to lay down our lives for each other? Let's read from Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 18. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve God enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So friendship in the upside down kingdom looks like this. Got it on your note sheet? True friendship loves with genuine affection or brotherly love. You know, I told you, I, I'm learning how much I'm loved. And this is where it starts. To know that you are loved opens the door for you to love somebody else with genuine affection, with brotherly love. This is family. Friendship in the kingdom of love cares deeply. We honor each other. We encourage each other. We build each other up. The second thing, true friendship isn't lazy or self-serving. We look for ways to help each other. We keep our eyes open for each other in need, and then we, we help. We don't wait to be asked. We are looking for people who need some, some perks. See, perks are good, right? It's good to get the best price on the truck. That's not a bad thing. But true friendship sees that I have things to offer people. I'm looking to serve my brothers and sisters. I'm looking to, to be the, need, the answer to their need. Number three, true friendship looks to live in harmony. True friendship prefers one another. What did it say in the scripture? Don't think you know it all. <laughs> the message says, practice playing second fiddle. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I want to say, choosing peace doesn't mean ignoring sin, 
or abuse. But let's just be honest. Most of the conflict that we have comes from just me not getting my way. It comes from me not being in control. And true friendship, community, looks for to live in harmony. We choose peace over having our own way. That's the upside down thing. And the last thing, true friendship is devoted to prayer. We find real life in prayer. You know, in James it says that healing comes as you confess your sins to each other. And true friendship, this is just part of it. True friendship takes the risk to be vulnerable with each other. To share what's going on inside. To confess the sin that's got a hold on you. True friendship listens when somebody's going through something. And you don't, you don't run from the awkwardness of someone not maybe knowing what to do. True friendship is devoted to prayer. When we take that big risk to be vulnerable with each other, we find more love, deeper joy, life to the full, and yes, based on the Word of God, even healing comes from there. When we offer ourselves as a true friend, it leads to, to spiritual things. Yeah, we're going to talk about the ball game and the new music and, and we're going to do all the fun stuff, but there's also going to be a spiritual connection. And we're going to see the world and the people around us differently because we, we are communicating in the spirit. We're going to see people the way Jesus sees them. You know, when you're isolated, Satan, he just keeps you deceived. But friendship, true friendship, friendship that is not afraid to ask the hard questions, or friendship that takes the risk of being vulnerable, that is a defense to the ways of the enemy. Because see, when I'm all alone and I'm writing stories and, and believing that, that things are hopeless, my friend, who I have taken the risk of sharing with, says, hey, you're not seeing that right. That's not the way it is. And it becomes a life giving fountain that's what friendship in the upside down kingdom looks like
You know, Jesus laid out the example for us. He came from the Trinity. It's a community. And he came here, and he could have accomplished his will and his purpose all by himself, but instead, he chose to do it alongside some friends. Our souls long for this kind of friendship. This is what friendship looks like in the upside-down kingdom. And in this kingdom, love is the way. Colossians chapter 3, it says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Thank you.